Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. I have by popular demand, and I actually mean by popular demand, there's so many of you who have DM'd me or sent me an email asking for me to have my dad back. And that makes me so happy to hear. He's the best. And so, of course, I'm more than happy to have him come back. It's been hard pinning him down since it is tax season, but he's back. He's here. He's answering questions. I thought that this week we should tackle investing. And I actually didn't think that you guys asked for that. (laughs) And so we came up with kind of a plan of how we should go about this and what makes the most sense to help you guys in the best and most efficient way possible. I have said this and I'm going to say it again. This kind of financial stuff can get overwhelming. I grew up having my dad talk about this all the time and I still get overwhelmed by it. It's just a lot of information. And if you're not in that world constantly all day long, it's going to feel like a lot. So I really intended that this episode would be kind of just an introduction to investing. I had him go over what are even options when it comes to investing for someone who has never invested before and pros and cons to each. And I had him at the end kind of loop everything back together as like, okay, now if I'm somebody who I want to put a hundred bucks into an investment, what would you recommend is something that's going to bring me a return on money, but I'm not going to lose it all so quickly. There's, there's investments that are very, very safe where you're not going to make a ton of money from. And then there's investments that are very, very risky that you could make a lot of money from, but you can also lose a lot of money. As someone who is new to investing, I would want something in the middle, something that's going to help me make money, but it's also not going to lose me a ton of money very quickly, especially, and I, and personal opinion, I think that's really important when you are new to investing, um, because you don't want to get carried away. You want to learn the ins and outs. And so I tried to keep this and this episode as simple as it could possibly be when it comes to stuff like this. If you guys have questions or want deeper information on any of this, just let me know. We're happy to go into that more. I just wanted this to kind of be like, here's even what's available. So you can start thinking about it. Um, because it's a lot, it's a lot. And so I'm happy to have him back. I'm happy to know that you guys are liking this information. I think it's important information that I wish we were all taught more growing up. Um, so I'm excited that you guys wanted him back. So Like I said, this episode is pretty just simple, into it, not too overwhelming. If you get overwhelmed, pause, rewind, listen to it again. There's still a lot of information in this episode, but it shouldn't make you feel anxious. It should help you have a little more clarity on what your options might be if you are looking to invest. So with that being said, let's get to Gary. <laughs> He's back by popular demand. <laughs> right. 
no, people DM'd asking about you. They wanted more, more financial information. So I want you to know that like people love it. People love Gary. So I thought today let's get into investing. I've had some people DM about this. Um, I also see it a lot on TikTok for some reason, people share a lot of investing info, but I think it's easy to not know what's good info versus bad info. How should you get started? So let's start with what types of investments can you make? Like what are your options if you've never invested in something before, if you're brand new to this? Right. Okay. So there really are several types and there's a a concept in investing that you should be made aware of called risk versus reward. Okay. The higher the risk, usually the higher the reward. So that's um, before your time really knowing much about any of this stuff back in the early 2000s when the tech, uh, the tech boom was really going on. Um, companies were out there being started and they had, they were losing money like crazy, but they had these crazy high valuations and they're considered very, very risky. A lot of people made a ton of money on them, but a lot of people lost a ton of money on them. So generally, um, the higher the risk, meaning the more likely you may have a chance of losing your money, the higher the reward's going to be. And, and so some examples of that would be probably the easiest thing that anybody can do is to go open a savings account at the bank. Well, interest rates are so low and have been for so long that that's not really, you're not going to get much out of that, but it's, it's safe. You know, they're FDIC insured up to $250,000. And so you might get, you know, a quarter of a percent of interest a year. So it's not very much money. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a little bit more money from the same bank. If you agree to put your money um, away in a box kind of, for some period of time, it could be a month, three months, six months, a year, 10 years, whatever. And if the bank knows that they can keep that money and use it for other purposes for some period of time, they'll pay you a little bit more interest. Okay. Right now, still not a great thing to do. But if you had, uh, say, a chunk of money come in from uh, something, you sold something, a, a car or a house or some stocks or something, and you've got a chunk of money, but you know you're going to be using that, you know, in the near future. Savings account might be the right thing to do or CD if you can get one for three months, you know. You get a little bit more interest from it and it's easy, safe, you know. If you have to take the money out of the CD before the time period ends, you're going to have to pay some of that interest back. So it won't be as good a deal. And then after that, um, you know, people hear about stocks and bonds all the time. Stocks are ownership papers of all these public companies. And so, you know, like for Disney or Amazon or anybody, you can go out there through a company, an online brokerage firm like TD Ameritrade or Robinhood or E-Trade, and you can buy, you know, as many shares of stock as you want to buy, can afford. And then you have a very, very, very tiny, small ownership percentage of that company. And it's not going to really do a whole lot for you immediately. But over time, hopefully the idea would be you're speculating the value is going to get bigger. Certainly if you bought Amazon back when it first went public, and I don't know what the opening price was, uh, you'd have made a ton of money if you had kept it and held on to it. Mm -hmm. Amazon, uh, Google, some of these other things. And so um, 
you know, Warren Buffett, if, if you've heard of him, he's mm-hmm. like one of the wealthiest men in the world. He, he runs a brokerage company, basically. He's out there buying all these stocks, and he generally tends to hold them. He doesn't sell them very often. So over time, his wealth is continuing to grow, but he's not really paying much tax on it because he's not selling anything. And the tax comes in kind of on the back end when you sell it. Um, but we can get into more of that in a little bit. I just kind of want to go through the highlights of what's out there. Mm-hmm. So stocks, ownership of these public companies, okay? Uh, bonds, companies, and also cities and, and states have municipal bonds. And so a bond is like, okay, uh, it's a promise to pay you back the money you gave us with interest. And it's there's a coupon rate on there, so it's, you know, a 4% bond or a 5% bond. The returns generally are not as good as they are in the stock market, um, but they're safer. So, you know, and, and within the stock market, there are companies that are riskier than others. Some companies have been around forever. You know, Coca-Cola would be an example, been around for a really long time, McDonald's. And those stocks tend to be a little uh, safer than stocks like, um, oh, I don't know, Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is just crazy. I mean, the volatility is just out. I mean, just outpaces everything. It's crazy. It goes up, goes down. And if you're not paying attention, um, you know, you can you can lose a lot or you can make a lot in a very short period of time. So bonds are, are generally safe. Then you've got mutual funds, which you go to a company like Fidelity or Vanguard, and you can go online. You can open up an account. And, um, and Janice is one where they've got these funds that you say, okay, I like the stocks that this fund is investing in. So it's based on sector. It could be healthcare, transportation, industrials, finance, whatever. And if you you, you want to look at the performance of what these things have done over time, you say, okay, I feel good about this fund, so I'm going to take my money, I'm going to put it in this fund. And then the manager of this fund is going to go out there and invest that money and a bunch of other people's money because they have these big pools. And they're going to buy a bunch of these companies, kind of like Warren Buffett does. And they're going to trade them. Okay, so they're buying individual stocks in these companies. So they're going to maybe buy and sell, depending upon whatever criteria they have for their investment strategy. And so um, it's a way to diversify. You've probably heard of diversifying, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to keep all your eggs in one basket. Well, when you're investing, if you're starting out small, you don't have much of a choice because um, depending upon how much you have available to get started with, you probably can't really diversify very much. But as your portfolio grows, then you can start divesting. Okay. And um, so with the mutual funds, they're kind of taking care of that diversity for you. Okay. okay. So all these different companies and they're buying and selling because they want to have good returns because they want to keep people coming back and keeping their money in the fund so they can get bigger and hopefully make more money for everybody. Okay. okay. There are also ETFs, which are called exchange traded funds. And these are funds that deal more along the lines of um, stock exchanges. So there's like the, the Dow and the NASDAQ, the Standard and Poor 500. So they'll take stocks from these things and they'll create a fund based on that. So they're a little more uh, narrowly focused to the exchanges that they're on. Uh, but same concept as a mutual fund pretty much. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's always precious metals like 
gold, platinum, silver, copper. Um, you can actually go out and buy it, and there are companies that will advertise, you know, real gold. You can own physical gold in your IRA, your individual retirement account now. I'm personally a little bit skeptical of that. It's probably fine, but I wouldn't know a gold bar if I held it in my hand. Mm. And so if I'm spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to have some of the stuff in my hands, I want to know that it's real. Mm-hmm. And so me personally, I'm a little concerned about that, but a lot of people buy it and they're happy to have it. Gold tends to be considered a hedge against uh, inflation and it's generally not going to move a whole lot. So it's not something like you're going to double your money in a really short period of time. Not likely anyway, but it's, it's kind of there. It's generally safe. You know, gold is the precious metal. And so there is always going to be demand for gold and platinum, silver, same way. Gold seems to be the gold standard. <laughs> um, then there are these things called real estate investment trusts. And so this is like a mutual fund, except the investments are in real estate. It could be raw land, shopping centers, um, apartment buildings, mobile home parks, or a combination of all. And so you, you have a concept of, a bunch of money putting or a bunch of people putting their money into this pool. And so he's managing this pool of money and they're managing it by going out and buying, you know, apartment buildings or mobile home parks or shopping centers or things like that. And so, um, you know, uh, all of these can be good and all of these can be bad, you know, just kind of timing is everything. Mm-hmm. There are also um, publicly traded partnerships, which is kind of like what a read is. A lot of them are like in oil and gas and stuff. I generally kind of advise clients to stay away from those. They, they get complicated and they complicate your tax situation. So, and I personally, in 30 some years, have never seen one really pay off. So mm. I would kind of scratch that one. Okay. And then there's always uh, investment in, in private companies. If you know somebody who is doing the, the REIT thing or the mutual fund thing, you know, you personally know them. And I do know somebody that's doing some of that stuff. You know, and you believe what they're doing. You know this person. You trust them. Maybe you want to you know, do that. Mm-hmm. So you can. And there are investment clubs out there where they kind of get together and they they pool money, in, and then they make they decide. They have Zoom calls or whatever. They make a decision on what stocks to buy. They can do that too. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of the the gambit of of most of the types of investments, financial investments. There are kind of derivatives of some of that. So uh, like with the with stocks and um, exchange-traded funds, there are these things called options. And options have a way of leveraging your money so that you can potentially make more money with less. But they're, again, it's a little riskier. So you know, risk versus reward, you got to weigh that. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go do this and, and go you know, buy some options. You need to understand what they are. And, and basically, they're just contracts to either buy or sell a block of shares of stock of a given company by some certain date. So they all have expiration dates. And so, you know, say pick Apple computer. You might want to um, buy a call option, which gives you the right to buy a block of shares, usually 100, of Apple stock at a given price up to a certain day and then expires. And so, you know, the concept of buy low, sell high, it's a great mm-hmm. concept if you can do it, but it's not always that easy. Mm-hmm. And so you can also buy a contract to sell 
stocks, you know, through options. So that would be a put option. They get complicated. It, it, you know, for people who are not super into numbers and, and what all that stuff means, you might want to stay away from that. It can be exciting, but um, it can definitely lose a lot of your money, your hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last thing that, that I have much familiarity with would be futures. So kind of works like options a little bit, but you can get in and out in, in a matter of seconds, literally, and, and make or lose a whole bunch of money. Mm. depending upon what you're looking but you can buy futures in gold and crude oil and soybeans and um you know hogs all, all kinds of stuff and that's that really is for a more advanced type investor so not not really for somebody starting okay. and then there's this new thing out called nfts which stands for non-fungible tokens and this one is so new i really don't know much about it other than it appears that you can create some piece of digital something mm-hmm. and you can go auction it off or sell it. And it's, it's pretty interesting to me. I was researching this the other day and I think it was a guy from the New York post wrote an article for the newspaper on these things. And then he took a screenshot of it and he created an NFT for it. And then mm-hmm. he auctioned it off. And the proceeds were going to go to, um, I guess the the newspaper has uh, a group of um, stories they follow that maybe some people are having a rough time. So they, their goal is to take whatever came out of this thing and they're going to, you know, apply it towards that to try to help some people. This thing went for like $36,000. Wow. And it's like every, he was hoping maybe to get 800 bucks for him. Wow. And, and the, the way I can describe it, and, and I think it's pretty, close would be if if i wrote a song for you you're the love of my life i wrote you a song and i hand you the handwritten sheet of the song my original notes of the song right you could take a picture of that piece of paper and you could create an nft and then you could try to go sell it or auction it online Mm -hmm. well that's interesting so what would happen is the buyer of that nft is the legal owner and through this fairly new technology called blockchain technology, there's a, there's a record that it can't be erased. So it'll always be known that you were the first one to buy this NFT. Mm-hmm. So what do you get for that? I'm not really sure. I guess you kind of have bragging rights that says I own this thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give them any rights to royalties or anything like that. You, you know, I still own the song or the song. Any, any royalties associated with, you know, people singing it or whatever, you know, come to me. So it's kind of one of those synthetic investments in my mind. Maybe that's not the right term for it. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. I'm not sure who would really want to go buy that stuff unless you just really want to own something that nobody else can own. Like, mm-hmm. But you can make a copy of it. So yeah. what do you really own? I'm not, I'm not really quite sure. So it's, it's that new that I just really haven't spent much time looking at it, but it's, Kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, so I, I know that was a whole lot in a really short period of time. You probably have questions maybe. Yes. No? I have yeah. many questions, but right. to keep it as simple as possible when it comes to this, because I know it can get overwhelming very quickly. Right. Say somebody, I have a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, something like I'm nervous about this. I don't fully understand, but I know I want to invest in something. What would you recommend would be like the best place 
to start. In my head, I'm already like, okay, based on what you just said, a savings account probably isn't it because I'm not going to make enough back where it's like, I want a little more than that, but not like futures. Like I'm not ready for a future trading, you know? Right. right. So to get your feet wet, you know, I, I think it's a good idea to, to maybe have a savings account, you know, just to kind of hold temporary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there are small online brokerage firms. I'm not personally familiar with very many of them, but Robinhood, I think is one and maybe Acorn is another one where I think with Acorn, you can, um, you can open an account and I don't know if there's a minimum amount you need to open the account with. I haven't researched that to know that, mm-hmm. but once you have an account established, when you make a purchase, you can program this thing to round up the next dollar. So if you spend $29 and 12 cents on something at a store, you can program it to round up to $30 and it takes the excess and it puts it into your account. And then when you have enough money in your account to buy a share of stock of whatever you want to buy, then you, you can buy it. Mm-hmm. In, in a way, it's a little bit like a dividend reinvestment plan. So if you pick a company like Disney and mm-hmm. you know kids like Disney, um, you buy some stock, shares of stock in Disney. If you get entered into the dividend reinvestment plan, when the company issues a dividend, and it usually does so quarterly, and not all stocks do issue dividends, but um, or companies rather, but Disney's one of them. So every quarter, they take some money based on the number of shares you have, they put it into an account for you. And then as you get enough money to buy the next price or the next share of stock at whatever the current price is, they'll do that. So now you've got one more share of stock. And so I feel like Acorn is kind of that way, but you're not limited to just the one company's stock. You could buy mm-hmm. whatever you direct them to buy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like that concept because it's a way that you, you know, people are not going to miss 78 cents, you know, or 88 cents a day when they go buy something, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all just kind of behind the scenes and they don't really think about it. And then it's always good if you've got some extra money to just, you know, stick it in the account, stick it in there. And, Try to build up. Sticking it into the savings account or into the Acorn account? No, into the Acorn account. Okay. Because you, know, you can't, you know, sa- savings is just a, kind of a temporary thing. So okay. if you have an account with Acorn or Robinhood or TD Ameritrade is a, is a longtime company and Schwab, and E-Trade, they've been around a long time. They're bigger. I personally like those better because they've been around a long time. I feel like mm-hmm. they're, I'm not saying the other companies aren't trustworthy. I just don't know them well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know about what kind of regulations they have to follow. I would assume they're probably the same as like TD Ameritrade and those, but I just don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it does seem like they offer a little more flexibility perhaps than a TD Ameritrade, you know, with the you know, round up the next dollar thing. That's kind of a cool concept really. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so getting money account is one thing. Okay. Figuring out what to do with that money. That's, you know, that's the, the hard question to figure out. And there generally are two ways to look at stocks if you're if we're considering stocks. And I think for now, that's probably what we should talk about because bonds gen, generally are going to be more expensive than, than somebody just starting out could really afford. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a $10,000 bond or a $100,000 bond or something. Stocks, you can buy, you know, stocks range, you know, you can buy penny stocks for pennies, literally a share, which I, would suggest you stay away from them unless you're just willing to give up that money and, and realize that from the start because they're highly volatile. Um, but there are a lot of good companies out there for 
you know, stock prices, you know, under 10 or $20 a share. Mm-hmm. How do you find them? It's uh, a really good question. There are services out there. You can try to, if you have the time, which nobody seems to ever have anymore, you could go online and look at the reports that companies have to file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. You can look at their financial reports and stuff. But if you don't know how to read financial statements, you're kind of just like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I hear that a lot. And, and even for me, some of the stuff they get into is a little, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, they go down through these all these audited financial statements and, and things that most people don't really have an understanding about. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, you know, some people take an approach of like, I really feel good about this company. I believe in it. And so I want to own part of that company. And so, you know, if it's a green company and you're really into, you know, um, helping the earth, you know, do better and get better and heal and all yeah. that kind of stuff, you might, you might invest in a green company. Mm-hmm. Or if you uh, are in the oil and gas industry, you know, and you want to support the industry, you could buy a lot of oil and gas stocks out there. So there's a stock for like whatever you're into, basically. There's all there's all kinds of stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's just really crazy. But you you do kind of want to try to look at them, and um, so there there are two basic concepts for for looking at stocks. One is the fundamentals, which you're looking at, you know, ratios like the current ratio and uh, price to earnings ratio. You know, a lot of these things that most people aren't even going to know, especially younger people, because they're never taught this stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe in some finance college course, they might hear about some of this stuff, but it's not really taught. Mm-hmm. So you have to either go find a broker that you can trust that will talk you through some of this stuff, or you just got to kind of figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the fundamental side. The technical side is looking at the stock's price over time. And, you know, there are these candlestick charts that they go up and down and they're you know, it takes a little while to learn how to read them, but it will give you patterns generally, or you, you try to look for patterns. And um, that's what a lot of day traders do with futures is they're looking at these charts and they're looking at a five minute chart almost always. And they make a decision to, to buy, you know, if they're looking at say um, sweet crude oil, okay. If it's $55 a barrel, then um, a lot of times, you know, um, people will sell off and take a lot of profit. So that kind of drives the price down, right? Well, people try to time that market to when they think, okay, people are done selling off. So now it'd be a good time to buy it because it's probably going to pop back up because it's so low, right? Mm-hmm. So it's called timing the market. And so that happens a lot. And, and sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And um, there's a concept called RORO, right or right out. Meaning if you are guessing a direction that it's going to go and you're wrong, you need to get out fast because it could really blow up you know mm-hmm. and so um but again you know futures are are kind of tough but um but it kind of does go to the technical side of the analysis that people follow for buying stocks the same way mm-hmm. and there you know a lot of people say you, you should never buy a stock that's got a graph you know where it's going up you know constantly going up because they're feeling they're, they're more pessimistic i think in, in their view and so they're feeling like, if that keeps going up, I can't, you know, what goes up must come down. So it's going to do this. Um, there are services out there, you know, VectorVest is a good one. That's one I use. And they really like buying stocks, you know, on a, on a company who's got a chart like this because it's good, solid performance. And until something happens to make them change their rating, they're going to give it a buy rating. Mm-hmm. And so 
you kind of have to figure out, you know, what is your preferred way of looking at a stock? You know, and, and maybe you don't want to deal with any of that stuff. Maybe you don't like the name of the stock. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not mm-hmm. because it's so volatile. So many things can affect the price of the stock. It's almost ridiculous. Mm-hmm. One, one reporter is say something about this thing, whether it's true or not, and the stock price could fall, you know, 10% in a day. Mm-hmm. So all these outside influences can really affect the stocks and customer confidence. You know, that's, that's what drives the market up. Usually is confidence in the, the American people or the world. Um, you know, they're feeling good thing, feeling good about things going on in the economy and the world. So they're going to buy these stocks and the prices can, you know, shoot up mm-hmm. and when, when bad news comes in or if, you know, the Federal Reserve announces they're going to raise interest rates. It's probably going to take the stocks for a couple of days, you know. Mm-hmm. And and when the market as as a whole is moving, you know, in an upward direction, and it just keeps on going. At some point in time, there's going to be what the the brokers call a correction, and that's going to you know people are going to sell off. They're going to take their profits because you can't really go broke making a profit, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to take the profits, put the money on the side and see what happens, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then they got to decide when to get back in. So it's, it's not an easy thing. It's, it, it can be complicated, but that's why, you know, people started out may want to start with a company they've known that's been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and get some dividends coming in let them, let the account build up that way without you really have to put, you know, it'll help you add to your, you know, net worth over time. Mm-hmm. So that's a way of like, because in my head, I'm like, there's two ways that I feel like people might want to approach this. Let me put money in it once and then it just does its thing and I don't have to keep thinking about it. Or say somebody's on like a, they get paid every two weeks, right? Maybe they want to take a hundred bucks out of their paycheck and add it to something. Well, I, I think, well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think okay. if you've got a chunk of money and you want to do something, you know, you can open up a brokerage account and you can start, you know, dabbling in the market. And then if you do have some extra money on each paycheck, maybe you make a commitment to yourself to take 25 bucks a paycheck or 50 bucks a paycheck or whatever you can afford mm-hmm. and, and have it go into your brokerage account. And so, mm-hmm. You know, and then as that fund balance increases, you've got more money and then you can either buy, you know, more of the same stock or you can diversify and buy different stocks Mm -hmm. and you can, you know, kind of have uh, a few different companies out there that you invest in and kind of watch them. And if one's really doing well, maybe you want to sell the one that's not doing so well and put the money into that one or or find Mm -hmm. another one to invest in. And probably wouldn't recommend more than maybe maybe 10 companies to invest in. It's that okay. more than that, you kind of are busy looking at whatever it's doing and sometimes you slip and you don't get to it and you know, yeah. anything can happen. So it tends to be probably a good number to, to cap out at. Okay. Awesome. I feel like that was, that was a lot, but I feel like that's like a it's good, a, a good introduction, which is I think what people are wanting is just, I need the info and I'm having a hard time finding it. Right. And, and, and I think people just need to do something, you know, they need to get in, they need to get started somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the sooner in life they can do it, the more money they're probably going to have, you know, later on. In life. And if you can do it in a way that you're not pinching yourself right now and, and you know, skimping to get by, 
mm-hmm. then it's a, it's a good way to do that. And so just get in and start doing something, whether it's Robinhood or Acorn, learn a little bit about it. Get into some of these investment groups on, I suppose Facebook probably has some of those. I'm not aware of them, but um, there are communities out there or there are services you can buy like VectorVest. And um, I think VectorVest is like 50 bucks a month or 60 bucks a month or something, but they, the analysis they give is just ridiculous. Almost anything you ever want to know Mm. is there. And so, and they have guidelines whether a stock is a buy, a sell, or a hold. Mm-hmm. So if you just follow, and they have little portfolios in there that you can create that are dummies, because you can't really trade through VectorVest. It's just a uh, investment manager kind of thing, if you will. So you can say, okay, I have $100,000 in my pretend portfolio, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in this much, in these different companies, and I'm going to watch it, see what it does. And then... And then that's a really good way to do that. And, um, and there are other platforms out there that you could do that too. Like with TD Ameritrade, they've got their trading platform is called Thinkorswim. Mm-hmm. And if you have an account with TD Ameritrade and you have access to that portfolio or, or that portfolio management thing, then you can play with dummy money. So you can go live or you can play with dummy money. You make the choice when you log in. And that's a really good way to say, okay, if I – if I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to take $10,000 and this is how I'm going to allocate the 10000 among this number of companies. And you can do that and it'll track it for you and we'll let you see every day you know, how you did, what's happening. Yeah. So that's one way to get in and kind of get your feet wet without risking anything. So I can, I recommend that. Yeah, Again, I don't know if there's like a minimum account balance you need to have with TD Ameritrade or Schwab to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think TD Ameritrade and Schwab have recently merged, so I'm not sure what the status of that is. Maybe it's, maybe it's just all one now. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, awesome. Now everybody can be like, okay, I know what the options are. I can go look at them and then kind of see where they feel like a little bit more drawn to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a, a million people out there they can ask. You know, they can, they can pick up uh, – oh, one thing that they should know, if – if they call, if they do open an account with TD Ameritrade or E-Trade or Robinhood, um, if they're having questions about things like placing an order to buy a stock or bond or something, they can get help placing the order, but they will never tell you what you should or should not buy or sell. They will never do that. They can't do that. And with good reason, they don't want to be at risk for that. So just recognize that going in. You're, you're pretty much on your own, except for the mechanics of how you do or buy or sell what you want to buy or sell. Mm-hmm. So just beware. <laughs> you're not going to get help with picking the stocks. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to let everybody digest on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be, yeah. Okay. Sure. If there, if there are questions, he wants to, you know, DM you or whatever, they can give me a question or I'll be happy to answer. We can always do follow-ups if you guys have questions on something specific or want to dive deeper into something, you can totally do that. Okay. Um, but I think an intro right now is where is it's enough. at. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, let me just say one more thing before we go. Yeah. Um, if you, if you do have people that are out there investing and you buy some stock and say you, you, However you did it, you picked a winner, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you put $1,000 in, you bought one stock, you know, one company's stock, and six months down the road, it's worth, say, $9,000. That's wonderful, right? 
if you sell that, you're going to have to pay tax on that gain. Okay. And the amount of tax you're going to pay is the selling price minus what you paid for it. So in my example, you sold it for nine, you paid a thousand for it. There's $8,000 of gain that you're going to have to pay tax on. Mm. If you held the stock for more than a year, you get long-term capital gain tax rates, which is a lower rate than if you don't have that, generally, depending upon how much other income you're making. But that's usually the goal if you can hold it for a year. Um, sometimes you may not want to hold it for a year if you think something's going to happen. You know, if you got to pay the tax, so be it. You're making money, so you're paying tax. That's, that's still a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Important note. <laughs> Important note, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 